Well, good morning. It's so great to see all of you out this morning. Those of you that are joining us online, we just welcome all of you. Kids, uh, fifth grade and under, if you want to make your way quietly downstairs to Clubhouse. And those of you that are new to MCC, uh, feel free to help your kids get downstairs. They're going to have a great time down there, Clubhouse kids. The rest of us, let's be finding our place in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel's located about a fourth of the way in. If you open up your Bibles, uh, starting in the front there, you'll go through several books and you'll come to 1 and 2 Samuel. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. As we dive into this brand new series, Real Life Facing Off with the Giants. And this first weekend, we are going to the giant story of them all, the most uh, the biggest account in the Old Testament of the giant Goliath. Now, Goliath's family uh, goes back some time. For over 300 years, Goliath's family has been an enemy of God's people. And let me say that over the next several weeks, as we look at the giants in your life and mine, they are enemies too. These giants that we're going to look at are enemies of the people of faith. And as was the case with Goliath. Goliath's family, the Philistines, Joshua drove them out of the promised land 300 years before this account was written down. Joshua drove them out of the promised land, destroying all but three cities. You'll remember Brandon sharing with, us, with you the weekend several weeks ago where we talked about leaving leaving no one behind there, leaving no unresolved enemy. But in this case, there were three, three cities, Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. And this is where Goliath was raised. If he was wearing one of those leather jackets, the leather jackets that we wore back in my high school days, his would have a big G on the front of it for Gath High School. He was a champion fighter. And as we're introduced to Goliath here in chapter 17, verse 4, we're told that he stands nine feet, nine inches tall. He's got a 20-inch neck and a 54-inch waistline. He's got a sword and a shield and 125 pounds of armor. And he's one of those guys that kind of grunts when he talks and snarls, uh, his touting his uh, ability to fight. And in verse 10, he says these words. He says, this day... This day I defy God's people. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now before we talk any more about Goliath, I want to talk for a minute about your giant and mine. What seems to defy your faith? The faith that you try to live your life in. What does your giant look like? What boasts does he shout to you? What weapons does he carry? You know, most of our giants don't carry weapons like a sword or a shield, but something more threatening. He doesn't prance up and down the hills of Judah, but he, he roams through your office and your bedroom, our classrooms, the darkness of night. He, he brings things like bills you can't pay or grades you can't make, depression, depression that seems overwhelming, a drink you can't resist, people you can't please, a future you can't face, or, or even a past you can't seem to break free from. 
How long has your giant stalked you? What power have you handed over to your giant that comes in the night or, or ruins your sense of peace, your ability to, to grow? How do you face him? And with what weapons do you come against him with once and for all? If you're ready to face your giant, I submit to you that this series is, is for you. And the first account that we're going to look at today should inspire us to come against our giant one way, and that is in the name of the Lord God Almighty. So let's bow our heads together and then let's dive in. Father, we are grateful to be able to call you Lord. We're grateful for the accounts of people like us who called on your name and, and found hope and freedom strength to face off with the very same giants that we face in our lives today. And so may our ears and our eyes be open to what you show us today, and may our response be in proportion to your great and your powerful name. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I found out this morning that we ran out of programs. Last night, this room was packed. We had 35 new faces that I could count, and I'm sure there were more. Every weekend, we're having so many new families, and those of you that are new with us, we're glad you're here, and we're sorry if you didn't get a program on your way in. I encourage you to take one of those little pieces of paper out of the seat back in front of you and grab one of those Bibles and make some notes, because I promise you, you'll receive something today that will help you take your next step. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David, a teenager who loved God, he was the youngest of eight. There were seven older brothers. You may know part of his story. Three of these brothers were on the front line this particular day fighting against this longtime enemy, the enemy of the Philistine army, when this giant Goliath shows his face, at least for the first time that it's recorded here in the Bible. David is called from the field where he is watching his father's flock of sheep. David was a shepherd as a teenage boy. He was called by his father to take bread and cheese to the front line. That day, that day was the day that he, he became a warrior. Now you may see where God is going with this story. David's an errand boy. He's described earlier in scripture as a musician. He's, he's handsome like many of us in this room are today. He was a little bit small in frame. He had a reddish complexion. He was anything but a warrior like his older brothers. In fact, when the prophet was sent to David's home, he came looking for the next king that God had sent him to appoint. And it was that day that David's father paraded all seven of the older warrior boys right there in front of the prophet. You remember? And as the prophet would look at each one, he never got that nudge, that okay from God. And and so he said to David's father, he said, is this all the boys that you have? And, and his father just almost chuckled. He probably did. And he said, well, well, there's the boy out in the field. And the prophet said, call for him. God spends the first half of chapter 17 describing this giant Goliath. Every detail, his height, his weight, his weaponry, his snarls and his boasts. God also spends time describing the uproar that this giant had created among God's people. Every day, this giant would come out and he would ask for a man to fight him. And, and these warriors would turn coat and they would, they would run. And so in verse 22, David heads toward the front lines 
This is his first appearance with cheese and crackers his dad sent. He leaves the cheese and crackers on the back line and he goes to the very front line. And in verse 23, it says, as David was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his line, shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the giant, they all ran from him in great fear. Verse 26, the first words recorded by David. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? But here's the greater question in the second half of verse 26. As David describes, describes the giant in the most accurate terms. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, here's the first takeaway when you consider the giant in your life. Giants are those things that dominate our day, and they seem to defy God. They seem to defy God. Know your giant, but know God better. Know your giant, but know God better. This is what David's pointing out to us here in verse 26. He's defining the giant from a different perspective than all the warriors did that day. He's saying, who is this giant who isn't on God's side? What's all the fear about? This man in, in, in no way, this man, this giant in no way has God on his side the way that you do. You who are circumcised, you who are called, you who are set apart, you who are God's people, who is this Neanderthal, this uncircumcised Philistine, that he would defy the army of Israel? There's power in that statement. It is a powerful statement. But it's backed by David's experience with God. And this is the same that needs to happen in our lives. David recognized the giant for who Goliath was, but also who he wasn't. How well do you know your giant? Is your giant maybe like the Philistines? Is it the same giant that your father or your grandfather has faced off with over and over again? Maybe alcoholism runs in your family. Maybe it's self-doubt. Your mother, your father fought that, and your grandmother, and your, your, your great-grandmother faced that giant over and over again. It's the same giant that crushed their hearts. I've shared with those of you who've been around here with me the last 15 years. Sometimes it's very obvious. Many times maybe it isn't. But I've shared with you that one of the greatest giants in my life is the giant of depression, anxiety. It is a giant that has reared its head, and it reared its head this year in a big way. But it reared its head, and it seems to defy God when it is at its biggest there before me, when I have focused on it. But I am so glad my father was honest enough with me 30 years ago to tell me that this same giant is the giant that he has fought. And it's a giant that his father fought. My father has described this giant to me in such great detail so I can recognize him and so I can do battle against him. 
How well do you know your giant? But more importantly, how well do you know God? David knew that God is greater, that God is stronger, that God is higher than any other power. But more than that, David knew that he was called by God. He was set apart by God. He was empowered by God. In the verses that follow, his brothers challenge him. They even call David names and suggest he go back to the field where he belongs and tend the sheep. King, the king of, of, uh, of Israel, Saul said to David in verse 33, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. But David responds in verse 37. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this giant. David knows that God is with him. How does he know that God is with him? He knows that God is a God who delivers us when we're willing to face off with the giants before us. And that, that knowledge, that insight came from only one place. And that was David being faithful in the field where he found himself living. You see, this message is significant not just for young people, but it's significant for new believers, those of us who are young in our faith. This is the season of your life where you learn how to do battle. This is the season of your life when you're early in your faith. This is when you learn, if God is for me, who can be against me? That no matter what the enemy, God will deliver his chosen. And we learn this only one way, and that is being faithful and obedient to God right where he has placed us at the moment. David learned this when he was guarding the sheep out in the field. His brothers made fun of him while they were on the front line. But David learned a lot in that field. He learned that even a lion and a bear, they were a match for him, but they were no match for God's strength and power. I want you to think for just a minute about when your giant first reared its head in your life. You, you may not have even thought it a giant. You may have thought it a, just a small rough patch, just a, just a little hurdle. What did you do with that giant? Did, did you just kind of push it aside and say, well, this, this too shall pass? Or did you go after it like David did, the bear and the lion? David's brothers, the other warriors with them, saw Goliath and, and they mumbled, not him again. This is the same giant that my dad and my grandpa, he comes from the same family that they battled with and, and here he comes again. Maybe you've grown similar words. I'm, I'm just like my father. My mom, she couldn't keep a friend and now, now look at me, it, it, it's, it's just never going to stop. Listen, even if you have spent the early years of your life not trusting God, it doesn't change the fact that he has always been there, that he's been right there with you. And now is the time. Now is the time to turn to him and trust him right now, facing whatever the giant is in your life. And if you want to know what David knows... You will trust God right where you're at, and you won't back up, you won't go off course, you won't give up, but you'll stay faithful. You'll be obedient, you won't turn back, 
And this is what you'll discover, that God is right there delivering you today. Now, the second thing I want you to notice is that no one other than David ever mentions God. It's interesting. This story is more than David versus Goliath. This account is about God focus versus giant focus. Where's your focus? David sees what others don't, and he refuses to see what others do. All eyes, except for David's, are on the giant. All the other journals that night, as the warriors would go back home, what did they write about? They write about this giant who, who just came out, and they couldn't face him. What do your journal entries look like when it comes to your giant in your life? I can tell you David's, David's was different. David's journal majored in God. He sees the giant, but he sees God more. He writes down things like, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, the armies. Most of the guys there only see one army. But David sees God at work. David sees the saints that have gone before him. He sees the angels. He sees the weapons and forces of God that collapsed the walls of Jericho or that pelleted armies with hail from heaven. Here, David demonstrates this truth about facing our giants. And he's about to demonstrate it in a big way. And that is we are to rush our giants. We are to rush our giants with a God-saturated soul. Now, I've used that statement before. It's one of my wife's favorite challenges. There are no better words to describe what happens next in David's life. But I can tell you this. David's mantra wasn't, oh, just chip away at the giant. Just, you know, kick him in the shins today and, and tomorrow, you know, tell him to go back home. We don't numb ourselves against his attacks. We don't pray, Lord, please just take the giant away so that when I wake up, he's not there. But according to David's example, we go full on into battle against these giants by loading our slingshots. And I propose to you that we load our slingshots with the very promises and truth of God's word, the very spirit of God living and dwelling inside of us, a God-saturated soul. Look at verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand, the same staff that he watched over the sheep with. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. The stones represent many things in the Old Testament, but one of the things that I love most about the stones that David picked up is they probably were very similar to the stones that his forefathers had built altars out of that had set aside the days that they crossed the, the Red Sea or the River Jordan. And remember, God said, set aside a, a pile of stones so that you'll remember this day, the day that I fulfilled my promise to you. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and his sling in his hand, with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Verse 43, the giant's always gonna shout back. The giant looked David over and saw that he was only a boy ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? 
And he cursed David by his God, says, your giant shouted such things to you. You'll never be good enough. You're not worthy. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. In verse 45, David now stands toe-to-toe with Goliath. And he says, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. Boy, I wish I could talk to some of my enemies that way. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Now, a little homework assignment for you tonight. I want you to go home this afternoon, and I want you to count the number of times in verses 45 to 47 that David refers to God, that David refers to God's strength, God's authority, God's power. And then I want you to count the number of times that David refers to Goliath. I count nine to two, maybe nine to three. See, I think sometimes we spend so much time majoring in the giants of our past, majoring in the giants that come up during the course of the day, giants we haven't even seen yet but have caused us to be fearful, giants that give us an unhealthy perspective of who we are instead of majoring in God and what he sees in us, instead of majoring in God and the fact that he is fighting for us. And he will give our giant into our hands. Jesus, when he addressed a giant situation that faced the disciples, he said to them, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Verse 48, it ramps up even more. As the giant Goliath moved closer to attack David, look at what David did. I want you to underline this. David ran. He didn't just hop, skip, and jump. He ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Can you imagine? Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he wound that stone up and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. I I love the movies that I've seen of this account. That little stone hits him right here and it just continues to sink in further and further. Goliath falls back, he falls forward, whatever. He falls David goes over to Goliath and he grabs that spear that must have weighed 45, 50 pounds. Little scrawny, handsome David picks up that spear and he shish kebabs Goliath. And then he pulls it back out and then he cuts the dude's head off. And then he makes a platter, shish kebab platter to take back to the king who's cowering over this giant. Two weeks ago, I took my wife, Sarah, out in the field. Not like the last time I took her out in the field. A few, But <clears throat> we set up a target. We set up a target 15 yards away. Those of you who are learning the new math, go use calculator to figure out how many feet that is. But I took her out in the field. We set up a target, and I drew the face and the torso of the enemy on this target. It's actually a sheet of drywall. Drew it out there. You know where I'm going with this. Sarah's been asking for, well, ever since we got married to learn how to shoot a gun. I don't know why, but she wants to shoot a gun. (laughs) 
So I got it out of the place. I've been hiding it for the last 16 years. And we went out in the field, we put on our safety gear, and we spent a half hour, first thing, talking about safety. You know, you never point the gun up. You never look in the gun. Here's how you clear it. Here's how you put it on safety. Here's how you do this over and over again. And then it came time for her to shoot the gun. And she did very well. But at one point in the lesson, I taught her. I said, now, honey, the whole reason why we're doing this is if someone ever breaks into our home and one of our girls is back in the bedroom, the farthest they're going to be is, is 15 yards away from you. Fact is, you're probably going to be more like, like three yards or two yards away from the enemy. And when they're separating you from the girls and they've gotten the gun pointed at you, you don't go hide behind the couch, but you put that gun out and you start shooting and you keep shooting until they hit the ground. And then you keep that gun pointed on them. And you reach in and you grab our daughter. And you never turn your back to the enemy until the enemy's dead. And let me tell you, let me tell you, you don't want to come to my house unannounced. <laughs> that girl rushed that target. She rushed that target as if that target was the enemy. And behind that enemy was the person that she loved. When was the last time that you did the same? How long? How long since you ran toward your challenge? You know, we tend to retreat. We tend to hide behind a desk or crawl into a bar or the bed of a lover looking for comfort, a distraction. And maybe for a moment... Maybe even for a year, we feel safe. We feel anesthetized from our giant, but then the liquor wears off or the lover leaves. In most of our cases, the desk seems to get smaller and smaller and we're revealed again. And the giant, that giant is there shouting things to us again. How long since you rushed your giant of depression? It may take a lifetime depression, but, but you're not going to win I'm going to overcome you in the name of the Lord. When was the last time that you rushed your fear? I'm not going to let a bunch of misinformation keep me locked away, separated from my loved ones. God didn't call me to have a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. When, when was the last time that you said to the giant of alcohol or, or the abuse of your past or your insecurity, in the name of the Lord, you're going down. Too long, you say? Then David, your model. God called David a man after his own heart. But when you look at David's life, he gave that title to no one else, not Abraham or Moses, Joseph, the Apostle Paul, even John. But if you know David's story, you might wonder, what did God see in him? David fell as often as he stood. That day he stared down the giant Goliath, but he also stared down Bathsheba and went and took her to bed, another man's wife. He could lead the armies of Israel, but he couldn't manage his own family. At times he was raging David, weeping David, bloodthirsty David, God-hungry David, eight wives David. Talk about a fool. But only one God, David. Maybe you've also noticed the absence of a miracle in this part or in other parts of David's story. There was no Red Sea parting, right? 
There was no chariot of fire. There was no tongues of fire coming down on David. There was no Lazarus rising from the grave. Maybe you've noticed the absence of miracles, but there's one miracle. There's one miracle in David's story. Do you know who it was? It was David. David's the miracle. David is the rough around the edges young man that became a man who shows us this truth. You focus on giants and you're going to stumble. And David stumbled against a lot of his giants. But you focus on God as David did against this giant Goliath. And you know what? Your giant falls. Your giant will tumble. And so here's the final truth for this weekend. And that is the God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make a miracle out of you. No matter what your giant. You know, this is going to be a life-changing series only, only if you're willing to see that what God saw in David, God sees in you. You see, we need David's story because we can all relate. Giants lurk in all of our lives. But maybe for you, that first giant that you need to rush today is the giant that's kept you from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ in baptism. Maybe it's the giant who has kept you from being part of a church family that will tell you the truth and that will encourage you to live in that truth. Friends, it's time to face off with your giant, whatever it is. I hope you'll do that. This is your first opportunity to come as we sing. Let's stand together. Father, thank you. Thank you for David. And I thank you for the giant that he faced. I thank you for Goliath. I thank you for the things that you recorded that he shouted. I'm thankful for his defiance of you. There is defiance of you all around us today. There are giants being born every day. And we are bowing down to them. We are running from them. We are hiding in our homes from these giants. Giants of our past. Giants created by our own choosing. Giants, Father, that we have imagined, but that are so real to us. Giants, Father, that I have faced in my life that I continue to face off with. And giants that our parents and our grandparents have been unsuccessful at putting away for good. Father, may you use your word, the power of your word that's going to be preached over these next several weeks to change that, that we, Father, would stop hiding, but that we would run toward that line where we face off with our giant. But we do it not by our might or not by our strength, but we do it in the name of of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives inside of us, who has made promises to us, promises that he keeps. And may those giants begin to fall, beginning with that giant today that's keeping some from you in this room, that's keeping some from saying yes to you and accepting your grace. Thank you, Father, for what you've already done and what you've already secured. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be here to meet you.